everybody and welcome to episode 18 of the Bao podcast or the one and only Christmas special. Today we welcome someone very special, no one less than Axel van der Donk. Axel is my co-founder and CTO here at Bao Living. And for this month, we thought it would be fun to dedicate an episode to what we do here at Bao Living and our learnings of the past, yeah, what is it, seven years at this point? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so um, I invited my partner in crime, Axel, uh, to discuss these different points together on this episode. So let's dive directly into it. Welcome, Axel. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. As you know, uh, podcast is not on top of my <laughs> list of things to do. <laughs> but uh, I also thought it was a good idea. Um, it's also crazy to hear that we're on episode 18 already. Mm -hmm. Insane. It's been going now for, uh, yeah, normally 18 months. Nice. Ever since Marty came up with the idea. Yeah, for the people listening, um, Marty or Martin is the intern who joined us uh a year and a half ago and who had the idea to start a, a podcast and who has been uh, working on it ever since together with us. Anyway, um, yes, so we thought it would be fun to to do a little bit more an episode about Bauer Living itself. We have been talking with all 17 different guests in, uh, who are focused on uh, sustainability and innovation in construction mostly. Um, but we thought let's let's dive a bit deeper into what we do and maybe a good point to start is i thought that we go back to the very beginning mm -hmm. um so maybe we start there by explaining how we got to meet each other and how we started with the idea of bow sure should, should i start go okay. yeah, take it away um when was it so we we met at ams here in antwerp Antwerp the Management School. The School of Management of Antwerp. And there, I think, um, that was the school year of 2014 to 2015. And in that year, we got the choice to do a... Well, we did the, the course Innovation and Entrepreneurship. And in that year, we got the option to either do an in-company project uh, in an existing company or write a business plan about a company that we would like to start and uh it was must have been the first couple of months of ams and i think you pitched the idea of building homes out of shipping containers used shipping containers used shipping containers and seeing as i i studied um civil engineering so actual civil and structural so construction uh, I thought maybe that's something that I should go for. <laughs> um, Basically, I had an idea and no knowledge to get it realized. Yes. <laughs> and you had a lot of knowledge to get it realized. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. But if you asked me right now to design a bridge, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> um, indeed. So you proposed the idea and I think yeah, I had a little bit of an interest in construction um, well, an interest that kind of grew out of my studies uh, as an engineer. And then we just decided to go for it along with one other person. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, at the beginning we were with three. Even with f four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Valerie and... Vito, I think. Vito, yes. Yeah, schoolmates. And then we scared them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think less than four weeks later, we were with the two of us. <laughs> I think they just had another project that they were more interested in, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny to know that in the first half year, we didn't really get along, <laughs> you and I. That's an understatement, one yes, could say. indeed. But uh, in, in the first half of the school year, I think. But I think it was mostly because we had no idea what we were doing or how to even start about going, uh, how to start a business like this. Um, but then I think, yeah, throughout that year, we got courses on how to fill in the business plan. And then it started, I think, in the second half of that year, it started to become clear. And then both of us were had a little bit of a click uh, in terms of how we were going to complete this business plan. And then from there, it seemed to go a little bit smoother than the first half of the year. For sure. Yeah, I think if we can zoom out already a bit, I think one of the main elements that I'm taking away from our entrepreneurial journey till now is that it's it's an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. like every single year again like you have very high yeah you have highs and you have lows and I think I already noticed it in as you say the first couple of months because it seemed that quite quickly we realized all right it's environmentally it makes sense to use Mm-hmm. old containers who are standing in the part of Antwerp um, in the thousands apparently you can it makes sense you think mm-hmm. to use them again but then we found out that it's actually not such a good idea way too expensive to clean up um, and to make a, a viable business out of it or a scalable business yeah and especially um, in the Belgian weather yeah and then I think around that time we also switched over to CLT yes. so then we I think via your father. Yes. We got the idea of CLT, which is, um, yeah, mass timber uh, structure to make the homes that we were going to build. Basically, still same container dimensions, but just out of wood. And that also in terms of the environmental uh, positive impact uh, side of things, it's also a, a tick that box. So I think we decided to pivot to that. Um and that was that was the business plan that we had, I think. Yeah. With, with CLT, yeah. modular homes, container size for transport. Um, I still, th- I think we have that business plan in the office. Definitely, it's lying, <laughs> it's lying around somewhere. It is there, yeah. Of course, some great visuals. <laughs> and then what was it? It was called Tiny Homes at first, I think. Tiny. Tiny homes. homes, yes, <laughs> tiny homes. And we, we were called Bauhaus back then as well, it's a different name. Uh-huh. And then that changed over the years. But anyway, so we, so we finished that year. Um, that was in 2015. And then... With good marks. Yes, positive, positive end result. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, so that's kind of where the idea came from. But what it is now kind of came after. So the product that we have now, the SAM... As you can see to our, well, my right, your left. Uh, that only came really after we sat down with Studio Dot, mm-hmm. right? So at the end of school year, we, we had this business plan and I think we uh, had a sit down with Studio Dot and they had a similar idea. Um, Maybe f- explain to the audience who Studio Dot is. Studio Dot is uh, a, a um, product design studio here in Antwerp. Um, a renowned product design studio, indeed. you could say. Yes, um, definitely. 
and I think that they had a they had a similar idea, and we kind of merged what we wanted to do, like our what we actually wanted to achieve in the construction sector. We merged it with a concept that they had lying around, and we kind of formed it into this company that it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 2015, and then yeah, I looked through these. <laughs> I can't remember what when I was making a presentation that couple of months ago trying to figure out like because between the launch of the first showroom and the moment we started working with studio dot it's still like it's like two two three two and a half years definitely that we tried to find sponsorship to get the first showroom made in that shop uh that you're uh in mall in mall and to find the initial sponsorship and then the initial funding. And that kind of led the first showroom with that was made out of duct tape and <laughs> cardboard. <laughs> yeah, so basically we, we, we st- started brainstorming with Studio Dot. We came up with this idea of these wooden container-shaped houses. Mm-hmm. And then it's not that it wasn't a good idea. We just realized, if I remember co- correctly, mm-hmm. that... There were quite a lot of players in the Benelux market who, are st- who already were doing this, mm-hmm. and we could have started to compete with them. But from a from a from a mission perspective, we wanted to make construction more affordable and sustainable. That was very clear from the beginning. So it didn't really make a lot of sense to like start to compete with players who are already doing it. And then indeed the pivot to the to the Sam, mm-hmm. which was indeed a very well guided. Uh, uh, by Studio Dot, uh, sure. and in that first showroom, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, what you said. I think we then we we decided to go more niche by working on Sam, mm-hmm. by working on the utilities instead of the structure. And then, yeah, then I think half a year to a year after that, we had the first showroom, and then the first meeting with Fanart Pro, yeah. uh, which led to them ultimately partnering up with us. Um, and then March 2018 May April 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 2018 we did the first showroom and yeah that's kind of when I kind of considered the start of commercial activity from that point yes indeed a little bit over four and a half years I would say at this point yes well no yeah yeah wait yes what would you say were like the right. biggest challenges in uh like how do you how do you remember that phase from going to a, a an idea to to building it for the first time like what were the biggest challenges that you remember i mean as biggest challenges well i mean it was uh, we didn't have much funding <laughs> so the biggest challenges was paying the rent um paying the rent every month and trying not to basically the first half year it was like trying to make as little loss as possible but it was always a loss it was always <laughs> it was losing money every month um but what i remember from that period um I 
maybe a, a fun a fun story I remember as well from as you said those first couple of months. So we had no we had no like investors yet. I mean we need we needed to survive personally as well as make progress on the idea and the concept. Mm-hmm. And we needed to look for um ways to 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 earn some living. So uh I very much remember that moment when you uh when you walked like because we were co-housing. Yeah. And it was really harsh winter. Yes. And you were doing delivery. I was I remember yeah. so we we worked from nine to six and then you jumped on the bike at seven and rode around town delivering food. Yeah. Yeah, and at one moment that you walked in with like double frozen hand hand how do you call gloves? it? Gloves. Yeah, yeah, gloves. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really wet evening and <laughs> I had time between orders, so I put my gloves in the microwave to <laughs> to dry them up. <laughs> and then uh then I then I got another order and I had to go. But yeah, I did deliver for a little bit of time because it's like a very it was a very good flexible job. I could honestly basically I could work whenever I wanted, earn some money. You you also you're cycling around so you're getting fit. And in between orders you can read a book or during order you can even listen to a podcast. So there was never really much downtime during Deliveroo. I'm gonna try to make it as productive as possible, but I mean, it still wasn't enough <laughs> to, to make it My through the month, God. but uh, it definitely helped, uh, definitely. I do remember there were moments like like that moment when you walked in and like you were frozen solid and I was sitting in the kitchen eating something mm-hmm. in the co-housing and like you, oh, you didn't say anything and you threw in those gloves <laughs> and they started heating up and you just turned around and you looked at me <laughs> and I very much remember like, you like not saying anything, but basically saying like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> we studied seven years and now this or six years. Yeah. I, yeah. There were definitely some low points. There were definitely some low points, yeah. but uh, it all worked out in the end, it seemed. Um, well, it feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, but then in between the launch of the first showroom in 2018 and then well 2015 and 2018 we also got into the accelerator program from climate kick yes and then we got our first wage yes which was like 800 euros a month oh for six beautiful, months i think beautiful and then it somewhat started to grow from there because mm. i don't think once we got that we wanted to go back to <laughs> earning nothing my god <laughs> it was um, just so it's such so difficult like Working nine to six on Bao, and then next to that, trying to get like what was it, six seven hundred euros a month just to pay rent and yeah. have something to eat. Like it's it was uh, fun though. <laughs> if you look back on it, <laughs> look back, it's fun. In the weekends, working on those construction sites and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I I cursed a lot. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Climate kick. Yes. Big moment. Climate kick, um, which was an accelerator program from the EU. Mm, yeah. uh, huh? I think and they invested in, in uh, sustainable sustainable startups or startups with a sustainable product or mission um, and we had yeah I also look very fondly to those months or years I guess we were there I think it was because, 18 months in total because there was three yeah um, stages one two and three and we got all th- through all three and with every stage there was a little bit of 
funding that came out of it. In the beginning, it was a little. Stage three was nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we kind of lived from that, so we're very grateful for the people over there. And the people we met there was also yeah. uh, made some friends that we are still in touch with. It's basically like it was Expedition Robinson for startups. If I needed to, if I need to explain it to people now, it's yeah. like that's how it was. It was so every stage there was half of the group <laughs> got, um, yeah, what's the word? <laughs> Exiled. Got off. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Banned from the program. Yeah, it got uh, didn't go through to the next stage. Is maybe the most diplomatic way of saying it. Uh, I can I, honestly, I can't place it when exactly that eighteen months was. I think it was definitely before we launched commercially. Are you sure? Because we had once they came to oh, visit they the new showroom. They came to the showroom, right? I think it must have been some overlap. Seventeen till eighteen and a half, I something. Think so, yeah. yeah. I think that was it, yeah. And then, and then that's like, I, well, I kind of see it as like a couple of chapters, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's like the chapters where we had, where we had nothing up to that first showroom. Right. Right. Which is like um, the tape, the cardboard showroom, mm -hmm. uh, everything leading up to that. And then you have like chapter two. Uh, which is the blue showroom, the showroom <laughs> in Van Alpen Pro, and then they, they joined. Yeah. And then you have chapter three, which is like, which started here two years ago. Wait, mm -hmm. we've almost been here for three years. No, this this is now for from April last year. Right. Yes. But we've been renting this office. Yeah. Next year will be three years. Yes. And that's in what I call chapter three. Right, right. Volume, yes. volume three. Episode yes. three. Yes, showroom three yes yeah maybe you should explain what that first showroom looked like and what it was so like um the cabinets were white <laughs> because that's just the, the most affordable cabinet you can get um and it was made together with uh luma from ola i think mole mole uh, they sponsored it together with some other suppliers they helped sponsor the first showroom it looked, yeah, the walls were wood. They weren't white or, or hip-hop walls that we have now. The, the furniture was cardboard furniture, so just boxes. With sheets over them. And the ceiling was a plastic ceiling, and we actually tested the ventilation in the first one, um, funnily enough. And basically the design of that showroom became the design of the second one, but the second one was like a full-on apartment. Right, um, and people can see that apartment on our website. Uh, it's the first showroom, the Blue Sam, and that was just like a fully furnished apartment. It just looked like an apartment, but it was in the in the uh, warehouse of Van Alpen Pro, so they had some space. And um, very grateful for the two years we were able to uh, rent that space over there because it was right next to. The manufacturing basically and it was also a good place to um to host uh guests or have meetings um for me that's something that like if i now talk with other like startups or new young innovative companies in the in the space mm -hmm. that's something for me that's like a really valuable lesson those showrooms like i I remember very vividly every time we we launched 
something physical mm-hmm. like it gave a b- boost to the business mm-hmm. and that's for me a really like a very clear lesson is in the in construction it doesn't matter because in the beginning we tried to like sell it based on a, a presentation and we had like vr we tried some some google cardboard elements but in the end you're selling a really physical product to a to a to a market that's really used to seeing things mm-hmm. in person and touching them and seeing the quality of finish so yeah for me that's something that i always like say to if someone else is try like just try to get something built like it yeah. doesn't matter what it is i mean it doesn't look terrible but <laughs> if you if you have something physical it already removes a hurdle or a barrier in the mind of of potential customers yeah definitely well especially with with us because whichever way you look at it we are we have a furniture system but what is what's surround what what is around that furniture system is an actual home so people have to kind of get an idea of of what a apartment looks like with a sam unit um and yeah, I think when we first moved here to Dörner, there was a year where we had no showroom and it was just having meetings via presentation. And then we got this built and I think we felt the effects straight away, right? Definitely. Um, yeah, again, COVID. Like, yeah, didn't matter COVID. if we, we would have had a showroom, people weren't allowed to come and see. So mm-hmm. again, that was very difficult to, to sell something as big as uh, physical as, as a SAM without being able to show it to people yeah yeah it's it's crucial for sure yeah all right so that's i think in that's a long long story of how the idea of bow living came around Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's like seven and a half eight years (sighs) of our lives yeah like looking back on it what are things you you think we could have done to like make things go quicker maybe in the beginning yes (laughs) of course (laughs) so much (laughs) yeah we always we always laugh about the the, you know the like not having a social media post ready (laughs) by the end of the day yeah Yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah i mean that's this for us social media is not important for other businesses (laughs) it's very important but for us construction sector not at all so we we prioritize that a little bit too much but i think that's because it was fun to do right um plus we we didn't we didn't have the resources to like start building immediately we're 25 we had had, nothing well i mean yeah we had no budget so i think our intention was good (laughs) because yeah we had no marketing budget so we just wanted to have a presence online and I think that's kind of how it starts. And then I think that all the social media that we had, and we had like a Facebook page before, obviously we had a website and then it's kind of all like stepping stones. So, I mean, if we would do it again, it would probably happen much quicker. And yes. I think we would be able to know what to avoid. But I mean, you can't blame us. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really blame We We had no experience in... Um, we basically started right after school, right? So we had no we had no experience no. of working in a business or starting a business, not at all. Well, you 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 had a little bit more experience starting a business than I did. Um, I had no prior experience starting a business, nor did I ever think I would actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff that we probably should have skipped <laughs> or 
prioritized uh, much or yeah moved much lower on the priority list than, than what we did um, but I mean it's a really time intensive thing that we were working on I mean we say we spent eight years on it but yeah the first two is trying to find partners and building a showroom it's not like you can't build it in a garage you can't build it in, in the basement we had um, developing the entire thing yeah that too and that also took time I mean, with Studio Dot they, they, there was months that went there and in the meantime, you we try and find meetings, and I remember the first, in the first, the 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 first prototype in the empty shop and mall. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I look at the pictures of the um, sanitary piping piping that yes. we placed in there ourselves mm -hmm. with like the guidance of a local plumber called yeah. Magic. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like, like such idiot things like six lines mm -hmm. six lines of HVAC uh, of sanitary piping which like looking back on it like no that's one that's one continuous line well no not really I mean we at first we thought that was the way to go yes and then we switched to doing everything in in Siri right? yes but now most of the time we work with collectors and then it is back, right. back to what it was okay but it's just an evolved form mm-hmm but it is, I think, standard practice to try and have one a pipe per appliance. I think mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Do you um, think? Do you think you need to be like a little bit like young and naive to start something like this? I don't know. Like, do you think if we if we if you if we would like have started a, a, a regular professional career in mm -hmm. let's say Deloitte without like focusing mm -hmm. on, but let's say Deloitte. Like if we would have worked at Deloitte for five years and yes. then would have done this, do you think it would have helped us or it would have like we would have just never have started because you realize like what the hell, what you what you're trying to do? You like you have no money, you're twenty something years old, like the construction industry is so complex and capital intensive and like mm -hmm. Yeah. I honestly think it it on the whole it would have been a net positive result had we had some experience in the beginning. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, as I said, there's lots of stuff that we spent time on that just didn't make sense. And that's that's things you learn in your first work experience, you know. Learn to prioritize and manage your time. And I think there are certain levels of, yeah, form formality and professionalizing processes that is something that you pick up at a, at a job and something we had no idea how to do in the beginning. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it works on, on both in both ways kind of thing i think there's yeah there's risks that we took uh that that we could take by because we just left school um i think had we had a job money would have been a bit less of an issue we probably we probably would have saved a little bit more money had we worked for three years before starting this mm -hmm. and we would have uh but i think it's probably the jump to actually do it is harder. That's my point. Yeah, I think you're in a certain, you're you've been there for three four years. You're comfortable. Um, I think the the barrier to do it is will definitely be higher. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, sometimes we get invited to give like lectures in schools, right? Yes. Uh, and when students then ask me like should I first work somewhere else mm -hmm. or do it immediately? 
I always answer like and I'm conflict I, I fully agree with your mm -hmm. position about if we would have had some experience somewhere else we probably would have been able to do it more efficient in the beginning but I always say to them no just just go because let's say you do the tra the, the the study tra trajectory that we've done you mm -hmm. graduate around 24 25 then if you go and do the work mm -hmm. for a couple of years I always think you, you're a little bit in like golden handcuffs like the, 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 it's so difficult to like yeah, yeah, leave that behind and go cool. back to yeah. like the like hustle grinding thing that we did in the beginning and I don't like the word hustle but <laughs> it's such a overused yeah. silly thing no definitely the bear, I, yeah the step to do it would have because for me the the when we left school and we decided to do this mm. for me the, the the choice was it seemed like um yeah let's try it <laughs> it was like that <laughs> that what kind of went through my mind like um i mean i had been i had been looking around uh for work and 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 i did some interviews um but i mean it probably would have been um the choice to do it was helped through the interest that Peter showed right from the beginning. Definitely. Because he, yeah, he, he did express uh, interest to even step into the company mm -hmm. right at the beginning. And, and um, that recognition next to yeah how positive the business plan was received at school was really like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe we should just try it and i think we said let's try it for a year or let's try it for half a year i don't know mm -hmm. um but it did and i i look back at that moment quite often actually the very decision to go and do it because obviously there were downside or there were down moments like you mentioned <laughs> um and you're like why the, why the f did i decide to do this um and I forgot the point I was going to make. For me, it's... Oh, yeah. Unless yeah. you come... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but what I... Um, what I also remember back from, like, the moment of the stuff, thinking about starting it is, like, my environment. Um, uh, not... I mean, it's a bit different with me because my, my dad was like, yeah, yeah, go do it. Like, he's mm -hmm. not like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. My mom was a bit more like that. But then the rest of my 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 um yeah like family they were like yeah but you just studied for like six seven years <laughs> like what the hell are you doing like yeah. go get that like yeah, consultancy yeah. job and like like yeah no it's so yes that's what that's the point I was wanted to make like they always said like oh my god it's so risky mm -hmm. it's so risky what are you doing that's a very Belgian thing I remember that like a lot it's of everywhere. Yeah, probably. Although I don't know, it is a, it is it, a risky thing. Yeah, it it's, is. It's in. It's not, not. What's the word? It's unconventional. It's unconventional, but it's not risky because I very like. I remember sitting on a bus or a train back from Mall to Antwerp, and I was thinking like, okay, everyone says it's risky. Okay, so what's the actual risk? I'm not gonna like. It came down to like, if I was thinking about what's the biggest risk, it's basically mm -hmm. losing one year because we said we were going to give us one year. It's losing one year of, of wage, mm -hmm. which was netto 
20,000 euros, best, best case. Mm -hmm. So that's the best, I mean, like thinking from it back then, from, from like first principles, like what's the actual risk? That's the best I, grew up with, I could come up with. And that's like, yeah. that's not like people made it seem out like, oh my God, you're like, you're gambling your future away. And I was, did no. You, did people say that to you? In those words? No, but they like, they you did say it. like, yeah, like, oh, it's so risky. Like, what are you doing? And I, I don't, I don't oh. remember. Because I remember because uh, my, I think my father was already helping uh, oh. during the AMS part mm. because he, he was running a startup at the time i think yeah he was so he he had interest and he had experience and i think he he never i think he asked me to think really think about it but he'd never um yeah tried to turn me away from the idea mm. he very much i remember saying like yeah we're gonna try it and then he was like okay then you try it but i didn't really get any resistance or like are you you're gambling your life no. away that kind of thing um and i don't really remember if my if my mother said anything about it yeah i think that's a big difference though i think we can be really uh, there's a lot of things we can be grateful about and people and organizations organizations we we should thank and mm -hmm. I mean, we should be very appreciative of. We mentioned a couple of them already, like Studio Dot and the accelerator programs Van and Pro, Van yeah. Open Pro. And but also, I think the as you mentioned, like the perspective of yeah, like your parents who support you in that decision. Yeah, crucial, right? Definitely. Yeah, especially yeah. maybe even the dads even more than the mothers. Like saying, like, okay, mm -hmm. it's 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 a it's a risk. Mm -hmm. But we 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 appreciate the risk and the effort you're gonna do. I mean, that, I think that makes a difference for sure. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> All right. Anyway, so that's the that's the humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. um, now I think you could say we are starting to get to a point of of scaling, right? Yes. Especially with some recent developments that we are not yet in the mm -hmm. opportunity to to say more about but which will come in the near future i think we're getting to a point that that there is going to be some some quick growth mm -hmm. um and if you look at the sector as a whole after trying to like launch something new mm -hmm. and innovative like this throughout the last couple of years like have there been some specific things that you really learned mm. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I was asked the question, like, what's your word of the year kind of thing? And it's patience because, but it's understandable. I think at the beginning, we're like, why does everything take so fucking long? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're like, why do they take so long to decide? And, but it's all like, um, yeah, time frames, you know, it's a building is meant to stay there for as long as possible a house you want to live in there for 10 20 30 years so obviously the decision time takes a while um but i think yeah what i definitely learned definitely in the last two years is is just the patience mm -hmm. uh, because just the very nature of 
what sales is like in our business is it's you have your first contact with someone and by the time you're talking about a project it might be half a year to a year later and then uh, if you do get the chance to draw something out and they um, they like it and they want to move forward then it could even take another two three years before we actually get to build it so I mean that's also a challenge that we've had in the company just also in terms of yeah our own motivation and motivation with the team that the wins are so far apart um but yeah definitely patience mm-hmm. it all i mean it definitely took m- i thought when we started this we would be much further than than like where we are right now but just based on the fact that we completely underestimated just how long the decision or decisions are made within these companies. Mm-hmm. I think some of the pilot projects we did in the beginning were quicker to be decided because it's just one unit or two units. Or, but yeah, now we're entering into the 20, 30, 40 unit projects. And yeah, I think patience will still be the golden <laughs> rule. <laughs> I think that there's, we're, we're still, um, yeah, there's these signed projects that are going to be built in three or four years mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a very valid point. Although what I have tried to learn myself is going through this process. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, I think it's also a Bill Gates quote. Yeah, like you overestimate what you can do in a year, but you underestimate what you can do in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if you would look at like us, basically we're working on it for a decade in 2020 five mm-hmm. right which is still three more years yes looking at certain projects that are on the horizon like it will be the case that in a decade we came from an idea as 24 year old students mm-hmm. to implementing set idea in like really big projects in the in Brussels, for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, if and you I put it into yeah. that kind of perspective. Yeah. And also, uh, I think there were times where we, we sit together at the end of the year and we, we try and list up everything that we have done in that year. Um, yeah. You also get, it's also surprising how much you actually yes. also get, how much actually gets done in the year. Um, but yeah, if you definitely put it into perspective, if you've been working on it for 10 years, then. But it's always harder when when you're in it. (laughs) It's like fun to see when other people like, wow, what you you did on three years is crazy. But then when you're in it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like like it's now getting to a point that sometimes people come here who work in the first showroom, Mm -hmm. and then I walk them through the the sales pitch, Mm -hmm. and they're like, whoa, what you guys did a lot in three years, and then Mm -hmm. I'm always like. Really? <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> Are you sh- really? Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's definitely a zoom out thing that that works. Yes. But that helps. It definitely helps. Yeah. You should you should do it again. Mm, from my perspective, also something that I learned in the last four to five years in commercializing this mm-hmm. is. Um, I think if I would need to give it a, a name, 
it's like follow the yes but. The yes but? Yes, the yes but. Okay. So I think something that was uh, advised to us from the very early beginnings mm -hmm. by uh, a, a very well, uh, highly valued team of our advisor board called Kurt Mong, mm -hmm. right? So someone who we uh, we uh, we still are in contact with. I very very clearly remember him like saying, "You need to always get in touch with the market." Like we have the tendency, startups have the tendency to like develop 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 until they think they get to a point where it's like oh this is amazing yeah startup myopia yes that's yes. How, we, how we learned it in ams i think yes indeed and i think something that he told us from the very beginning and i think that if we can put some like feathers on our cap is that that's something we didn't do feathers on your cap isn't that something you say i don't know i've never <laughs> never heard it before yeah, i like the, it you're the half bread anyway uh I think that's something you said. I don't know. Okay. And then we we like we went like we always looked for like the touch in the market. Like is yes. this right? So um and then they always used to say, I remember because I did most of these meetings, like they would say, Oh yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. and in the beginning it was, Oh yeah, yeah, this makes a lot of sense, but we're not gonna buy it based on a presentation from a 25 year old who has not worked even six months in construction. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, damn, let's try to build the first possible thing we can do with basically no revenue, like the, the crappy showroom, 0.1 you could say. And then we built that showroom, set showroom, and then they came and they looked around and they say, oh yeah, yeah, that looks very well, amazing, well done guys. But it's a showroom. Mm -hmm. You haven't done it in real life. If you do it in real life on a construction site, you will learn a lot. And then, and then, then maybe we will mm -hmm. start looking into. And every single time we just, we took, we needed to take away the, the yes, but. And then it, we, we did a f the first smaller ones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the first couple of years. And then they came to there and then they said, oh yeah, amazing. Well done guys. Looks great. But it's a small project, so and then we did like the the bigger, four, four, the bigger one, and then yeah. So then the yes, yeah, follow the the yes, but the yes, but I think that's an an important insight that I learned anyway. Yeah. No, definitely, I think. Um, but there's always that's like a milestone, right? Like a mile. That's the yes, but is really what. The customer see is a risk. Yes. Um, basically, the yes, but in my eyes is a milestone and a milestone is there because it's a very clear, it's not particularly a deadline, but it's a very clear point where you have de-risked your company significantly. Yes. Um, and I think with the product, milestones have been that first showroom, the second showroom, I think also... Van Open Pro joining the yes, party uh, is a milestone because it it lowers the risk of people talking to us and thinking about doing a project with us. So I think it's always in, in terms of lowering or taking away that risk. For um, sure. And yeah. I think now, yeah, we've, with the bigger projects that we're looking at now, they look at what we realized in Brussels with the 20 units uh, together with um, Urbicon. And that for them is like, okay, these this team of on average four people have uh have done it 20 times 
yeah, maybe they're up to they're up to uh, doing it for thirty, forty uh, apartments or fifty. Um, and I think I d- it's probably a golden rule. In, in I don't know how it works with start with uh, software. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I do. I think it's one of the main differences between software and hardware, especially and then you have like hardware, which is I don't know. Uh, something small and non-expensive, but uh, I think basically what I'm trying to say is I think one of the reasons why innovation in construction is so slow is because with every risk, I mean, you, there's no small way of taking a real risk. Mm-hmm. You you do it, the smallest scale you can do it is one single apartment or home, which is, couple hundred of thousand euros mm-hmm. to take the risk on and it's not like the entire apartment will explode but like reworking it or, or needing to find another contractor if it doesn't like it is a risk it's it's a financial big risk there's mm-hmm. no like small financial risks to take or the well, margin yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. With, i don't know if i yeah i understand yeah well we're just talking about larger um sums of money mm-hmm. uh, per realization yes it's um it's obviously a bigger decision for people to do it or not it's like buying a say the choice between buying a playstation 5 <laughs> and buying a house it's different <laughs> a house you're uh, you're gonna go into uh you're gonna have to probably get a loan and it's yeah you, you spend more time thinking about it is it's, that a personal case um personal? no no, no. it has nothing to do with okay. personal things um yeah it's but that's it, yeah that's why it's been quite tricky um because it is such a large risk yeah to not only purchase a a sam with a small and inexperienced team back then um but even now if yeah if we hadn't have done rubicon where we did it 20 times which is very much at a significant scale and then the bigger fish might not have even uh considered that consider that yes for sure i think that's also one person we should definitely maybe highlight in this this story Bart Wouters mm-hmm. from rubicon yes. technical director i don't know if he's gonna listen to us Maybe we should tag everyone who we want to specifically <laughs> thank. Are there show notes? Yes, there are show notes. We should, right. yes. Marty, if you hear this, all these organizations, put them in the show notes. Anyway, yes. but Bart Wouters, I think, uh, is a really, yeah, uh, very important person in this story up to now because he took... A risk. A risk. <laughs> it took a big risk, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah definitely. And that's also yeah, sorry, what do you want to say? No, no, I'm just trying to put it into perspective for the for the listeners of when they actually decided to move forward with us was before do you you're better you're better with Yes, yeah, so time. I, we when? met him in December eighteen. Yes. We were building our first commercial realization. Like one, one unit, one unit, one single um, home. He, he, and Urbicon, obviously, um, were considering to move forward with us to do twenty. So, yeah, as you mentioned, 
very grateful for the risk that they took there. And that's also, I think, no matter how you well strategize and how you like do all the right things, sometimes you also just need to have a bit of luck. Yeah. Like I yeah, think yeah, the, the sure. I think the uh the baseline or like uh it's business as usual as it as it if it doesn't go how you want it to go, I think mm -hmm. that's like that's how I look at it at this point. Like it's okay, yeah. It didn't go or it didn't work out, but yeah. that we used to that. But that's kind of like I mean you can say that it's it, I mean it, uh, luck plays a very big part of it, but I'm a very firm believer that you create your own luck. And I think you have to try and maximize the amounts of points or moments where luck can play a part. And then, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then there will be a, a higher chance of, of luck. Um, Next time around. Of luck, uh, yeah. yeah, of hitting, hitting, what's the word? I can't remember. The bullseye. I don't the know. bullseye. That's something that really motivates me when I'm going through the, like, 1100th lead I'm just saying something like mm -hmm. in year five of doing that it's just like keeping in mind like just every single one that you reach out is improving indeed that yeah. statistical formula of a higher chance of, of success basically basically All right, so we had the beginning. We had some learnings. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could look a little bit into the future. Sure. Um, this is not at all like an episode about us finishing or closing this story. I think it's just a, 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 maybe a part one of mm -hmm. many parts to come. Um, but... Like if you look at the the near and far future of of Bao living, like, what do what do your eyes see? What do my yeah? What my what do you see? What, yes. Um, hmm. It's always very hard because planning five years in advance is basically impossible. I think um, over the I. We say this every year, but next year is going to be bigger than the last. <laughs> <laughs> It's Unless like every there are year. no global pandemics or yes. financial meltdowns. That's true. Yes, we could that, say. That year was probably less big than the one before. Yes. But I'm sure that we weren't the only business uh, to succumb to that. Um, but yeah, it, it really feels like that if um, certain things go our way that we can yeah we can take the business to a point where we do have more room for hiring we do have more room for uh working on aspects that are now pushed a little bit lower down on the priority list um further product development to move the product even faster forward because right now the focus very much is on is on sales uh, and drawing in new projects um but uh next year i think there are certain projects out there where there's a very good chance um that they could go our way mm -hmm. mm. do you see like trends on a macro level 
for example, I think from the very beginning, it has been our um, goal to make construction more affordable and sustainable, mm-hmm. which I think the second part, the sustainability, was more our intrinsic mm-hmm. motivator. After being active in the industry for, let's say, eight years, of which four and a half commercially, mm-hmm. I think the thing that we are learning or we learned quite quickly is that that's all good and well, the sustainability aspect of which it is built in. Like it's, it mm-hmm. is more circular to install a SAM than to do it traditionally. But the frameworks that are in place today or from a legal perspective mm-hmm. don't really count those as financial benefits. No, yeah. I mean, it's going in the right direction. Yes. It seems. It feels yes. like, and we've, I mean, we've been in the sector for, yeah, I think we've been in there for six years, something like that, even before the first showroom. Before that, we were also still very much working and getting in touch with people. And it seems like the um, the focus on building more sustainably um, in a more circular way moving more towards uh, standardization. It seems like it's really picking up speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, it doesn't seem like there are financial incentives right now in place that will really encourage um, companies other than the... yeah the sustainable builders that do it out of their own motivation because they believe that that's necessary to really encourage, and that's the majority of the other businesses, to really focus more on building sustainably. Um, however, from what I understand. Yes, however, I do think, and that's maybe the point that we we should focus on, it's like that I think change is coming now and mm-hmm. quite quickly. For example, that European taxonomy yeah. legislation. Mm-hmm. I think there, um, it's not going to be a law, as what I understand from now. I mean, what I understand from it now, it's not going to be like a European law, but they are going to like indirectly make it somewhat of a law because if you don't follow the stricter uh, legislation that's being written out and yeah, communicated as we speak, the, the interests of your loans will be higher mm-hmm. as a developer for your set building that you wanted to develop. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. That'll uh, push so, it in the right direction. Yes, I think that's definitely going to be a, mm-hmm. a, a, a wind in our sails. Mm-hmm. Yes. For sure. Also, rising costs for materials, mm-hmm. like less people available for the sites themselves everything leading more toward prefabrication. Yeah. I do feel like maybe we were a bit early Mm -hmm. with this entire concept. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe not in the right, uh, because it seems like in Holland they are, or in the Netherlands they are, couple of years ahead of us yes especially on the standardization front and the building prefab mm-hmm. um, seems like we've picked a difficult market to start with yeah. <laughs> um, 
if it works here though we can probably it's probably going to be easier to do it in other markets i think mm -hmm. indeed yeah let's hope let's hope <laughs> indeed yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay I, i see we've been going at it for quite a while so Would let's you, see the, the podcast you mean yes it's we are hour, now yes 56 minutes and it's a friday evening december the 23rd uh, 23 am i uh 23rd 3rd mm -hmm. um that's a difficult word for me to say apparently um so let's maybe do a couple like one or two three quick ones sure. to round it off do you yes. have any preferences i don't know if you prepared any of the personal questions axel uh, the personal ones are all the way at the bottom right? yes yes um okay any of the other ones i don't know if you you had a preference i mean we covered the 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 construction industry i think if there's one thing that would what i would change in the construction industry is um is basically what we're trying to do mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of waste being produced just because um yeah the focus is on building affordably and the more affordable materials are being chosen and they are not exactly the materials that have the highest residual value at the end of the cycle um and that yeah the the destruction of existing buildings contributes hugely to the actual total waste that is being generated and i really think that yeah i mean it's it's very clear if what we're trying to do that the whole building as material banks concept is uh i find it very beautiful in simplicity and just uh, the way that it's uh yeah the, the the wording just the fact that a building is a temporary store of the materials that you put into it um it makes so much sense to me in my head that um that i i can't uh believe that it will not be the way things happen further down the line mm -hmm. um well put but obviously yeah we haven't the impacts of the negative impacts of the massive growth that has happened in the last year on on the construction front and and everywhere really um the impacts of those are already catching up to us now and it's now that we're kind of waking up to Uh, the negative uh, impacts of this and all the climate change that is happening. Um, so I do think that people are realizing. I just, on that front, I'm somewhat pessimistic that I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a huge challenge, as we say. As we say, that it's one of, it's the, the, The next uh, between now and 2050, we have to have realized the biggest construction sprint known to man. Really, um, is it going to happen perfectly and smoothly? Probably, probably not. Does it ever? <laughs> Does it ever? That's true. Does it doesn't really ever go smoothly. All right, great. Um, I think we could leave it there. Or we could leave on a lighting note. Sure. Yeah. Um, one could say you are a, a man of culture, right? 
so, that so? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, you read some. I, you, I read. You, 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 watch, I read you watch some. You watch some. I, I watch. You and watch I and you read. So any like recommendations for the audience that they could listen Bo to? Books-wise. Books, movies, mm. games? Um, well, I, I, yesterday I... Yesterday I finished my ninth book of the year. Well, look at you. Look at me. Congratulations. I, I used to not read that much at all, and I've really built a habit of reading, which I'm quite happy with. Um, and one of the books that I... I this is one of the uh, answers that I did prepare. Mm -hmm. Well, I wrote down two books. The two favorite books of the year. One was The Changing World Order from Ray Dalio. The two... Go to yeah, I finished the whole. I think it was wow. really fascinating. Um, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm becoming a little bit of a, a history nerd, and I really uh, a couple of years ago I, I learned the fact that the the British Empire was is was the very biggest of empires that the world has ever known, uh, and I was always fascinated about how the Yeah, the, how the leading uh, world order kind of switches every couple of generations, and that whole idea of the yeah the, of the Dutch Empire being the the main world order before the British Empire. The, the the idea always fascinated me when I learned that, and then I saw that Ray Dalio wrote a book about it, and just the way he explains how it all comes to be and how there are patterns um, that emerge during the reign the, the current empire's reign and what leads to the downfall of these empires and and what happens when one empire is on its way down and another is on its way up i thought it was a very very fascinating book i highly recommend it to i mean it gets a little bit technical on the economic front um there are chapters where there are a lot of concepts that i just <laughs> didn't understand I'll admit to that um, wholeheartedly. But there's a lot of history in there as well, especially about the, the Dutch Empire, which I find very interesting. And uh, and then also with the current American Empire and then now what's happening with America and China. It's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of parallels between the switching of empires in the last 500 years, which is kind of coming back now between China and America, which is very interesting. Yeah, I it has been on my nightstand for many many months. It's a fat book. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a, a thick, thick 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 book thick book. <laughs> it's quite a read. Yeah, and the thing also with Dalio, I think, is when he launches something like this, he does mm -hmm. all the big podcasts. Yes, and then I'm always like, "Ooh, Dalio!" And I listen to all the podcasts, and then I've listened to like eight hours of him explaining the book, and then I'm like, "Yeah." Like, why, why should I read it? Should I <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. spend another 10, 15? Um, but I find it really fascinating that I think he launched it um, end of last year, mm. I would say. October, November 21. Yes. And uh, the main point that I very clearly remember him like verbalizing when he was on the podcast tour, tour uh, is like, yeah, there's going to be, there's a high chance there's going to be conflict armed conflict in the west mm -hmm. in this decade and probably sooner than later mm -hmm. i've i so remember and him saying that i was like yeah okay yeah maybe whoa edgy 
Yeah. And then like four months later, Russia invaded the Ukraine. And I was like, whoa, did that dude just like, mm-hmm. did he call it? It's it's fascinating. But mm-hmm. it's, it's um, without going too much into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it gives you a very clear story and idea of basically how the world works a little bit. Um, from a macro perspective. From yeah. a very, very macro perspective. And if you're interested in a little bit of history, it basically tells the story of each of the leading empire from the Dutch to the British to the American now. Um, it's very, I really enjoyed it. It was a bit, uh, there was moments where it was a little bit dry in the beginning, but I, on the whole, I enjoyed it. Uh, and a second book that I also highly recommend is River of the Gods. Uh-huh. Yes, this is new to me. I really enjoyed it. It's not. It's it's like two hundred fifty, three hundred pages. It's about the story of a British expedition that went to try and find the source of the Nile. Ooh, very interesting. Uh, it's basically at the end of the nineteenth uh, century. Yeah, like three, two or three expeditions of people that went to, yeah, went to Africa and they went up the Nile and they spent six to nine months walking uh, to try and find where the the source of the Nile is and it's it's a it's a really crazy how the book is written because it's somewhat written as like a as um it's it's got a narrative so it's very much it's like a it's a very clear story but it's just all based on records and on letters that the guys wrote and stories that they they have found about these these uh these men that 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 risked their lives um trying to map out where the nile ends um and it's crazy just starts yeah where it starts right yeah, yeah. exactly yeah where, very interesting where does the nile start well you have to read it and <laughs> <Okay>. find out <laughs> All right, um, unless there was anything else you wanted to share in this first edition to our audience, I think we can close it right here. Yes, um, sure. I Thanks. think there are the worst ways to, uh, to start the holiday, right? That's true. Thanks for having me on, on the Bio Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Long overdue, man. Yeah, It was true. kind of a... It's fun. Struggle to get you on here. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's a, you, how many times you asked? I think I asked you once in the beginning. Okay. And you were like... Uh, I mean, I th- and I'm quoting here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Yes. No, but uh, let's, let's do it again next year. Sure. Yes. We should I do think... Uh, we should do it again sometime. Yes. It's like, good recap of the year. Yes. All right, uh, dearest Bow Podcast listeners, um, if you hear, if you listen to this point, um, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. I hope we uh, entertained you a bit with our little story, and you maybe also learned something. And yes, I think that's a close. We're gonna wrap it here for the podcast in 2022, um, and we already have two new guests planned for next year. And it are some fun ones. So definitely, um, yeah, keep listening. And uh, if you enjoy this, by the way, I think I have ever done this, but this is more like 
uh, normal, like casual conversation. So if you listen to this up to this point, um, and you ha- don't follow us yet on the different podcasting uh, programs, definitely give it a follow so you can uh, you can see those sweet episodes in your sweet timeline um, and ratings like or reviews are very much appreciated. All right, that's it. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful end of year and we talk again uh, next year. Thanks for listening to the Bow Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, make sure to subscribe to our channel. If you're interested in Bow Living in our Smart Adaptable Module or SAM, go check out our website, bowliving.com. If you want to stay up to date, you can best subscribe to our monthly newsletter on our website or follow us on all social media platforms where we're named at Bow Living.